it's me. I put the battery pack on the opposite side. Now I'm backwards. So anyway, uh, that's my excuse anyway. All right. If you have a Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. How many of you are glad that we do not serve a God who is never faithful or always changing? I don't get many shots at him, but I definitely want to take the ones I can. But anyway, I think we're all tired. I had one of the most interesting weeks I think I've ever had. I had the privilege to go down with our senior adults to their conference and uh, spent some time with them. And, of course, we did have our times of play. But uh, it was interesting. We went into a conference where there were several thousand senior adults. And I was one of the youngest people there. Well, then I got in a car. It took me eight hours to go from Myrtle Beach to Atlanta to be with the younger group. And uh, traffic was terrible. Construction was all over the place. I was about to go crazy as I was getting there. And I finally show up, and I walk right into the conference where I was one of the oldest. <laughs> I went from one extreme to the other. And I'll tell you, uh, what a great week. I tell you, I, I barely have a voice from singing so much. And, and let me tell you one of the greatest things I saw this past week. I saw senior adults who were there raising their hands, honoring the Lord in their praise. And then I was able to go see young people. Uh, do the same thing. And y'all, that's what heaven's going to be like. It's going to be all of us. It it doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter who we... We're going to be right there praising Him. And I think I got a glimpse of that this past week, and it was a beautiful thing. Well, we're continuing the series, Kingdom Culture. The series introduction, if you'll look there, because we're a collection of many people from various backgrounds, uh, places, and stories, we believe culture-making is essential for unifying our church family around a shared vision. As we carry the message of Jesus to the world, we exist to love God, connect with others, and reach the world. How many of you have got that down already? We, this is about our 20th time with this. By creating a culture where Jesus is our lead story, scripture and prayer are prime, worship is a lifestyle, we are family, we is greater than me, we get to is greater than we got to, and transformation is greater than tradition. And today we're looking at generosity is common. Generosity is common. Now, let me just say this. We only have three more weeks after today, okay? So we're about to get there. It's taken us since January, but we're almost there. Now, look here at the subplot there. We are the recipients of the greatest gift the world has ever known, the gift of Jesus Christ. How many of you agree with that? We're recipients of that. All right, that brings this relationship, this recipient, that what we've received brings life, grace, mercy, and freedom at no cost to us, yet at the highest cost to him. Because we have been free, we've been freely given all this, our only right response is to freely give. Therefore, giving out of obligation is the wrong response and is unbiblical. Giving, listen to this, is part of our worship. It's part of our worship. This morning, I came here today to worship the Lord. I came to worship Him in song. But I also came to to worship Him in my service to Him, to to do what He's called me to do. But not only that, I I brought some of my resources to give to the kingdom. Those all are acts of worship. And many of you are doing the same thing today. You came him to honor him with your praise. You came him to to give of your resources. You came to give of your time and your talent. All that is worship before God. And that's what he desires from us. Our response, listen to this, is not to calculate how little we can return to him, but to realize that we are mere managers of all that he's entrusted us. 
Generosity is not about our wealth as much as it is about our heart and our confidence and trust in God. Now, let me stop there and point you to a verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6 says this. For the love of money. Now, let me tell you what that verse means. For the love of money. Do you know what the love of money is? The love of money is not money itself. I mean, we don't go home and look and observe the stacks of cash that we have under the bed or in the closet, do we? No, the love of money is what we can purchase, what we can get into with money. It is the root of all kinds of evil. It means it can get us into all kinds of trouble for which some have strayed as a result of it from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through many sorrows. You mean to tell me that the very thing that many of us desire so much can get us into all kinds of trouble and bring all kinds of sorrows? Yeah. Did you know that they, that, I don't know if it's still on, but did you know that they have, a, there was a show that talked about lottery winners in which their story was given in which they are flat broke now and it led to all kinds of sorrowful, sorry uh, conditions in which they live and how they live and the whole relationships around them changed. I mean, it just totally destroyed their life. Destroyed their life. Now some of us, what do we do? Oh Lord. Reader's Digest. Some of you may, some of you may say, no, you never catch me gambling. No, no. But if Reader's Digest showed up, I, that would be good. But how many of you have ever prayed for that? I've even thought about it. What would five thousand dollars a week for the rest of my life look like? How many of you have already told God you give him half of it? I mean, I mean, we're sitting there and we're, we're saying, okay, we, this verse is in full view, and we're sitting there and we're praying, oh, please. Part of God's plan for your life is for you to understand his plan for your finances. Did you know there's 2,300 verses in the Bible that deal with money and possessions? 2,300. That is twice. Listen to this. This will blow your mind. That's twice as many as deal with faith and prayer combined. 15% of everything that Jesus said had to do with our money and our possessions. Why is that? Have you ever stopped for a moment and said, why was there so much focus on money and possessions? Because how people view money, listen, is a barometer of their spiritual condition. It, it reveals so much about the person. And, and here it is, because there's a connection between a person's spiritual life and their actions concerning money and possessions. Listen to this. What should be the relationship between our faith and our finances? That's something we're going to look at this morning. Or how does God expect us to use our finances? So many times you'll hear of people who give and they give and they give. And How many of you respect that? I read of a businessman, Hobby Lobby. The guy owns Hobby Lobby. Do you realize that 50% of the profits that come in for that company go into charitable contributions? Most of it, many of you are probably not going to be surprised by this, is for Christian causes. 50%. I mean, I admire that so much where people have so much and they don't fall for, for what the world offers and they don't fall for all these other things, but they, they give to the causes that impact eternity. So... If you look at 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9, here's what you're going to find. You're going to have to find a lot of things said about our giving, what it looks like, what the heart of it looks like. But here's what's interesting. Paul, the apostle, what he does is he uses an example first before he even gets into the subject. 
And he's talking about the Macedonians. The Macedonians were people who, who didn't have a lot. But here's what happened to them. They saw that there was a great need in Jerusalem. Now, let me tell you what's going on in Jerusalem in the first century at the time this was written. What's happening in Jerusalem is that's where the birthplace of, of the gospel occurred. That's where all the people came in for Pentecost, and, and they came in, and, and as a result of being there, all of a sudden the Spirit of God fell on those people, and the gospel went out rapidly. And, and, and so what happened is many people, they became pilgrims in Jerusalem, and they stayed around. And to which the Christians who were in Jerusalem who actually lived there, they basically de depleted all the resources for them because there's so many there. They began to share. We read that in Acts chapter 2. But then you come back and you fast forward a little bit later and the need is still there. And so the Macedonians who didn't have a whole lot according to God's word, they gave. And Paul was, he was completely impressed with their giving. And he describes that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5. Now, here's what's interesting. I think it's verse 4. He says, what explains it? And, and I'm reading from the message here. What explains this was that they get, had first given themselves, listen, unreservedly to, unreservedly to God and to us. Basically, what Paul was saying is they gave of themselves because, first of all, they gave their heart to God. They held nothing back. They saw a need. They saw something that was important for them to give to. They didn't hold anything back. And they shared. They gave of what they had. Paul was impressed with that. And so then he spends the next several verses, many verses, talking about where it came from. So look on your outline. First of all, we see the particulars of giving. And the first thing we see is it proves the authenticity, authenticity of our faith or of your faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 7. But as you abound in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you also abound in this grace also. When he says this grace, he's referring to the, the whole discipline of giving. He says, as you grow in your, your faith and your speech and your knowledge, your diligence, and in your love, see to it that you don't lose sight that you need to grow in your giving too. So this morning, let me ask you a simple question. How many of you can see how God has grown you in your giving? Whether we're talking about of your resources, where we're talking about of your time, or we're talking about your investment in eternity. How many of you would say, yes, you know something? I can look at my life and I can see where God has developed me into a giver. A giver. And that's what he sees here. Look at verse 8. I speak not by commandment, but I'm testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. That you, through his poverty might become rich. You know what he's saying there? He's saying we've got a beautiful example here. Listen, we need to grow in our giving. And I'm, I, Listen, we could hold up Macedonia over here and talk about those churches that really gave to the causes in Jerusalem. But I'm here to tell you the greatest gift, and we're going to see that later, the greatest gift of all is what Jesus did for us. And none of us can compete with that. Listen, a Christian's life should identify with Christ. Grace was extended to us, and we should extend grace to others in helping. Our giving should not meet needs. Not, our giving should meet needs, not just for salvation, but also for sustenance. 
That's the reason I'm so tickled to be able to be able to give to the cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention. Because listen, that money not only goes to, to, to helping ministries and those things, it goes to so many causes. It, it, there are social concerns that are there that we're giving to. But listen, Jesus met a lot of those same concerns. Those who are hungry, those who need to be fed, those who need fresh water. I mean, all that's right there. When you give to that, you're giving to that also. But also the fact that people just need Jesus. And we got to get the word out. And, and that's a form of our giving also. He goes on. or what, There's another thing that we see here. Look on your outline. It provides accountability for your finances. And so when we're talking about the particulars of giving, we need some form of accountability. At least I do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, look at verse 10. He says, and in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to desire it, so there also may be a completion out of what you have. Verse 12, here it is. For if there is a first a will, if there's first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has, not according to what he does does not have. Now think about what that is saying. What that is saying is that God is not going to ask you for something you don't have, but He is going to ask of those things that He's blessed you with. Now let me ask you a simple question: How many of you would agree that God has blessed you more than you ever thought He could bless you? Yeah, He has. If you don't believe you're blessed, go with a, a, a group going to Nepal this coming fall. Walk around that third world country. A lot of people don't realize, but it, it's, it's considered a third world country. I mean, it is amazing what people can do without. I, I, I've never been more convicted than when I've gone to a third world country and then come back, get on this jumbo jet to come back to my home and my comforts and everything that I have. And I begin to look around. I'm like, Wow. Something seems to be wrong with this picture at times. It says in Luke chapter 12, For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. We give from what God has given us. Next, we see the particulars of giving. It provides abundance for your family. I mean, think about it. Think about the giving aspect. Think about how God wants to bless us in return. So look at verse 13. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened. I'm not talking about that you give to the point where you switch places, where now you're the one that's being burdened and their burdens being eased. He's saying, no, I'm not talking about it. He says, but by an equality that, that, that now at this time your abundance may supply their lack that their abundance also may supply your lack, that there may be equality. Now, let me just say this. This is not, I don't believe this is talking about socialism or communism. I, I do not believe that at all. I don't believe that's what that's saying. But here's what you need to understand. The Christian church in the first century had desperate needs. Listen, there were people losing their jobs because they were coming to Jesus. Did you know that? I'm talking about there were needs all over the place. There's probably, the first century Christians, if you look at the percentages and all that, there's probably greater needs in the first century for Christians than probably any other time in history. They were losing jobs. Some of, were, some of the, the men of the homes were being executed. I mean, there were all kinds of things that were happening. The needs were great. And so what was happening is Paul was challenging him, say, hey, hey, give, give till it hurts if you have to. 
but give. These are legitimate causes. Listen, the gospel is here. The gospel's at stake. We need to give beyond ourselves. So he was talking about a specific time where there's a specific need. Verse 15, as it is written, he who gathered much had nothing left over, and he who gathered little had no lack. He's basically saying because of what God has mobilized in your heart to give, what he has done, what he's doing here, you're going to be blown away by the miracle that you see as a result of what he's doing and how he gives. Listen, there's some things that we give to around here, some causes that we give to. And I'm just going to be honest with you. There's some causes that we give to are some of my favorites. Some of the ministry we're doing in Nepal is just amazing. I wish, all, I wish we could all just take a trip to Nepal and let you see what's going on there. Because it is simply amazing. It's, it's, like, uh, it's exciting to be able to give to a cause like that. Because you see the legitimacy of that ministry. And you see how God is using it to, to touch a country, to touch a, a region. And so we need to understand that as you're talking about here in verse 15, he's talking about as you give to those that you may not know, as you give, as God moves on your heart, God is going to meet the needs in your own heart, in your own family. Next, we move from the particulars of giving to the principles of giving. First of all, you must decide the amount God desires you to give. Now, if you've been raised in church all your life, I'm sure you've heard these type sermons. If you've been to church all your life, uh, the first thing you think of, God wants 10%, right? Is that what you've always heard? What, the government wants 28 to 35%. What does God want? 10%. Now, I know some of you are real cheap in some ways. I've heard you, I've heard you say this. I've heard many people say that. Listen, when you tip the waiter, what do you give? 10%. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for you, right? I know how some of you think. But listen, that whole idea of 10%, there is legitimacy to it in Scripture. So how much? Well, according to Malachi th- uh, chapter 3, a tithe literally means a tenth of one's income. So, so when do you give? If, if, if there seems to be a determined amount there. And by the way, that was when the law was operational. So, so some things may have changed when you start talking about grace, when you move outside of law to grace. So, so when do you give? 1 Corinthians 16 says this, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper. This verse not only tells us the when of giving, but also the priority of giving. The priority of giving. Giving to God is not determined by what is left, but by what is given in the first place. Giving must be, listen, intentional and disciplined. Now, let me just tell you this about my own personal testimony. And many of you have heard me give this. But what happened with me is I was not always, always obedient in my giving. I, I rationalized a lot of it. I'm just going to be honest with you. When I came here, when I moved here from Wilmington to come here to, to Shelby to, to start my education, to go into ministry, uh, I began to rationalize why I didn't need to give to the church. Now, I gave to the church, but it wasn't what was obedient. What I felt later became was the obedient giving. And so what I would do is I rationalize, well, God, I'm, you know, I'm putting myself through school here and um, and uh, it costs a lot of money to go to work for you. And um, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I was really trying to rationalize all this. And, and uh, I had a pastor that loved me enough to confront me with it. Now, I'll be honest with you, I didn't like him for a couple of days after he confronted me with it. But you know what I had to assume? That he was right. You know why? You know why I, I come to know that he was right? Because the Holy Spirit of God was working through what he told me. 
He wouldn't give me his opinion. He was giving me what God's word said. And the Holy Spirit of God began to work in my heart. And all of a sudden, I began that journey to become an obedient giver, to give what God had called me to. But you you know something? It, it, It would have never happened if I had not been intentional and disciplined in what God was challenging me to do. Dave Ramsey says this, if you don't tell your money where to go, it just goes. How many of you have lived some of that life? He's talking about budgeting. Listen, when he says to give on the first day of the week, you know what what that's a reference to? Budgeting. It's talking about intentionality. It's talking about discipline. Listen, here's what we need to understand. We're going to look at this a little bit later if I have time. But, But here's what it means. Here's what it means. Everything that we have was given to us. We've been entrusted with these things. That's a big difference. Entrusted. That means he owns it all. That that means we've got a lot of decisions to make that don't necessarily center around what we desire, but what he desires. And so all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're 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 trying to understand. So so listen, if you never make it a priority to give, you'll never give. Because it's intentionality, it's discipline that's required to get there. And that's what took me there. Let's keep moving. We'll cover some of this other stuff that I've uncovered now. When you, when you give, look on your outline. Keep in mind, sowing relates to reaping. How many of you know that's just a principle that God laid out there in everything? Sowing and reaping, they work together. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 says this. Skip over to chapter 9. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Basically, Paul is saying, decide how much you want to be blessed and give accordingly. Now, here's what you need to understand. You can't outgive God. This is not a, listen, this is not a sermon on prosperity preaching. This is a sermon on simply what God's word says. Okay? And there's a big difference between what I'm preaching this morning and what you hear over the TV airways a lot. And I'll, I'll show you that in just a moment too. So, so as you give, let's look at your outline. As you give, keep in mind, God owns everything you own. Job 41.11. Do you remember the story of Job? In the end of the story, Job is beginning to argue with God. And God puts him in his place. Did you know that? Read the story. It'll blow your mind. You're sitting there and Job's going on and on and on. How many of you ever had conversations with God like that? You're going on and on and on and all of a sudden you just feel something. It's like, oh. <laughs> I mean, he'll come back at you. It's like, who do you think? Basically, what he did with Job, here's what he said. If you say, put it all in one. Who do you think you are? A better question or better thing is this. Who do you think I am? But listen what he tells Job. I mean, think about it. Poor guy's been under. I mean, can you imagine going through what that man went through? And, and here's what God says. Everything under heaven belongs to me. Now, who, who's under heaven? We're under heaven. What's around us is under. All this belongs to him. Therefore, we are mere managers and stewards of the possessions he trusts us with. So the question is not how much of my money or how much of my money should I give, but rather how much of God's money should I keep for myself? Second principle, you must give from the heart. Second Corinthians chapter 9 verse 7 says this, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Why? Look on your outline. Giving is an act of worship. Giving is an act of worship. 
when I worship something, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm releasing something. But that release, as I heard so eloquently this past week, is that whole idea of responding. It's a response. My worship is a response. And so what I'm doing is I'm responding to the heart of God. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul was thanking the church at Philippi for their financial gift. He writes this, I have received full payment and even more. I am amply supplied. He's talking about the gifts. He says the gifts that you've given are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice that's pleasing to God. What you gave was no different than what they did in the Old Testament. When they began to lay that offering there and the, the, the flames would come up and the smells from, from the sacrifices that were there of God's people that were going and ascending into heaven, Paul compared it to that and said, this is pleasing to God. This is acceptable because this is your worship, your worship. We have traditionally thought of worship as singing. It's only a small part of it. I mean, think about this, y'all. Some of you showed up here today. You gave your praise as a hope. I hope you praised him. I hope you plan on serving him. I hope you plan on giving to the causes. Listen, listen, the causes of this church are not, not just the causes. We, we're, we're trying to be led by his spirit. We're trying to do exactly what he tells us to do. I wish you would see how the deacons and pastors and how we try to cooperate and try to, try to look together at what God is doing and what he desires to do through this ministry. We take that very seriously. For many years we've taken it. And I believe that's why God's blessed this place. It's because we take that very seriously. And so, so, so really when we're giving, what are we giving? We're giving our praise. We're giving our service. We're given of our resources to show that our heart is for God. That's our worship. Next, giving should be sacrificial and generous. The Macedonians mentioned by Paul in chapter 8 gave, as Paul described, from extreme poverty. He says it like this. They gave beyond their means. A recent Gallup poll shows that the more money Americans make, listen to this, the less sacrificial they are when it comes to giving. You know, have you ever thought about what if God did bless you with a big lump of money? You, you know what many of us do? And I've done this. I'm, I'm, listen, I'm not casting stones. We'd sit, well, we have a bigger house. Might even be able to put that house by the beach. Now, listen, listen understand, please understand what I'm saying. Well, we do that. We could do that with it. We could do that with it. Do that with it. Have you ever thought about where did the gift come from in the first place? He allowed it to come into your life. What's he looking for there? Now, I'm not saying that he wants you to give, just turn it over to, 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 the, to this ministry or that ministry. I'm not saying that either. What I'm saying is you need to look at what God is doing. See the bigger picture. Not just see what you can do, what's about you and how you can go about it. But what does God want in this situation? Next, giving out of love, not out of obligation. 2 Corinthians, the second part of verse 7 says, The giving should not be grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves what? Cheerful giver. You know what it, you know what it literally means? Hilarious giver. That means when the offering plate comes around this morning, you're going, bam, yeah! Mm. Good stuff right there. Three types of giving. Look on your outline. Grudge giving. 
I have to give. If I don't, he's going to get it somehow. The tires are going to go flat this week. <laughs> Stove's going to blow up. One of my kids are going to need to go to the doctor. I used to think that. Matter of fact, the pastor before me had me convinced that's what would happen. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I have had pastors tell me this. If you don't get it here, you're going to get it one way or the other. You know what? I grew to understand that he, they're pretty much right. It's amazing how much further those tires go when you give obediently. You think I'm lying, don't you? <laughs> Duty given. I ought to give. Man, that preacher out there, bless his heart. He tried, oh my goodness. He, he, I looked around, them people weren't even looking at him. I'm going to give something. <laughs> Duty given. How about praise given? I want to give. It's a privilege to give. I can't wait till they pass the offering plate. I remember when the offering plate used to be passed, and I knew, I knew I wasn't obediently given. That was the worst part of the service. It was. I knew deep down where I was coming. I, I, how many of you've ever? How many of you've ever um, taken off an envelope? Nothing's in it. You just kind of laid it in there, make sure everybody saw you laid something in there. <laughs> Can I tell you that the ladies that count see that a lot? I've done it. Empty envelope, empty blessing. Here it is. Giving should be willing, willingly and cheerfully. Again, for God loves a cheerful giver. Some of us, it's amazing how some of us give. We'll sit there and we write the checks. By the way, this is one of the only places you need a check for. Have y'all figured that out? We're going to solve that by the end of the year, hopefully. But anyway, but, but what do you do? You sit down and you begin to write all the bills. R.S. Light bill. How many of you just love giving the light, I mean paying the light bill? How many of you just love it? It's like, oh my goodness, here is the Time Warner bill. I can't wait. The water, the sewer bill. Now that one, that's my favorite right there. I'm going to give to that. And we treat it like it's nothing else other than just one of the bills we've got to pay. I'm just going to tell you, for me personally, when I got to a point where I was giving obediently and at times giving my offering, at times giving sacrificially, I, let me just tell you, I couldn't wait for the plate to come around. This morning, I still haven't got over it. I enjoyed writing the check this morning because I'm, I'm living where God wants me to live in my finances. I'm convinced of that. should be cheerful. We should give as a groom gives an engagement ring. To a soon-to-be bride. I'll never forget, Tina and I got married really early. Really early in life. Didn't have a dime to my name. Barely owned a bicycle, to be honest with you. And I went to buy an engagement ring for her. And I'll never forget going in there. And Of course, first of all, the guy was on the cell was like, Who are you getting this for? I said, My soon-be wife. Really? I mean, I looked young. Trust me. Trust me. I don't know if you've ever seen her wedding pictures. But anyway... I couldn't wait to get that ring. Listen, I don't know how much your first wedding bands were. I got hers for $199.99. And I had to pay my mama back for that. <laughs> but you know something? That meant everything to me. 
to be able to give her that. And that's where our giving should be. The promise of giving, i got to hurry. God will meet the needs of you, the giver. How does he do it? Well, his, his generous giving results in bountiful blessing. How many of you have experienced that before personally? Yeah, he will. He'll bless. You see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I don't have time to go on. But here's what we need to understand. We do need to be aware of prosperity theology. God blesses. Listen, so many of us think, well, and you hear it on TV airways. You give $1, what's God going to do? He's going to give you $10. You give $10. Oh, here's $100 coming your way. How many of you ever heard that? I have recently. That's not always the way God blesses. Sometimes he brings new victories in our lives. Sometimes there's success in business and ministry. Sometimes there's a greater anointing in your life. Sometimes there's a greater awareness of who he is in your life. Sometimes there's a new friendship. Guess what? Some of the rewards may not even be realized until we get to heaven. We're just called to be obedient. Next, giving reflects faith in God's promise or provision. We see that in 2 Corinthians 9, 9 through 11. I hope you'll take the time to read that. But listen to this. Proper stewardship of our finances is a major test of our spiritual condition. Our money follows our heart. Our giving reflects our faith. The verses show us that giving reflects faith in God's provision. I want you to think about two people in Scripture. The rich young ruler and the widow. You remember those two? Rich young ruler. Hey, Jesus, what must I do to have this eternal life you keep talking about? What did Jesus say? Sell all you have, give it to the poor. Now, has God told every rich man before they can have salvation that that's the case? No, he hasn't told all rich. There's a lot of rich people in the Bible. You realize that, right? He didn't didn't tell him that because he was rich. He told him that because he knew where his heart heart was connected. It was connected to his possessions. It was connected to his finances. That was the driving force in his life. That was his identity. It's because he had much. And Jesus said, you got to trade that for what I'm offering. But he didn't ask everybody to do that. But he saw it in this man. Widow. Bible says Jesus sitting by the temple gates. And as you went in, there were these places to give. And and literally, she walked by and she gave everything that she had. How do we know that? Because the Bible says it. And what she gave, some people say, was less than a cent. But she gave all she had. And you know what the Bible says about Jesus? It pleased him. It pleased him. You know why? Because God really doesn't need our stinking money. He needs us and wants us. And if we're so tied to our money and our possessions that we can't give him us, then he says, that's got to go. And that's exactly why he was telling the rich young ruler. Next, I got to go. Five levels of giving. Not giving. Token giving. How many of you have ever done this? I probably need to give something. Slide a 10 in. Five. I used to do it. Token giving. Uh, obedient giving. That's the tithe. Offering giving. That's above the tithe. I, I have a way of doing that. I have, there's, a, there's a way that I do offering giving. And I don't necessarily tie that giving to the church all the time. Sometimes I see needs that my family wants to give to. And we give to those needs. Then there's sacrificial giving. 
When God just lays something on your heart. I remember the first time I ever led this church in a giving, a type of giving campaign. And I wanted to be on the, the leading edge of it. And, and I, I remember going to Tina and telling her, say, honey, listen, I know, uh, I know we're in this together, but this is what I believe God wants us to give to this cause. She said, do what? Now, there's been other times where she said that it's been reversed. I want you to understand it's not her necessarily. In this case, it was, I really was impressed, God. And you know what? She came away and she said, do what God tells you to do. Sometimes it's bigger than we think we can do. Each level reveals a level of our faith and trust in God. Does your giving, listen, reflect your faith? Does your faith reflect your giving? Now, the meeting, I, got, I tell you what. We're going to, there's a lot of material here. Have y'all noticed that? We're going to finish this up next week. So we got four weeks left to go on this series, okay? But anyway, I just want to challenge you with this, giving this morning, because listen, it is a big deal. It's a big deal. It was a big deal to me. God reveal, listen, God sometimes will reveal himself more clearly in our finances than in any other area of our lives sometimes. And I've seen that in my own life. So at this time, we're about to have an invitation. Here's the invitation this morning. If you don't know Jesus, you have the greatest need in this room. It's not about your pocketbook this morning. It's about you giving your heart to Jesus this morning. And then number two, maybe this message challenged you in a way that you haven't been challenged in a while. And you want someone to pray with you, myself and two other pastors be here at the front. But, but maybe this is the church home God's called you to be a part of. And uh, we invite you to come. So would you stand at this time? Let's go have a word of prayer. Father, we just come to you right now. And we just thank you for this opportunity to, to have an invitation to invite people to respond to your word this morning. And Father, if there is someone that's here that doesn't know you as our Lord and Savior, I pray today will be the day. Father, if there's someone who just needs someone to pray with them about a decision or something they feel God leading them to, I, I pray they will be faithful in that. And Father, if this is the church home you called others to be a part of, we pray you'll be in that. We thank you for what you're going to do in, this, in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>